Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Because Big Mike has got the mic, starting now. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike, Mike Zlatnik. Today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome Haley Gant from Quest IRA. Hi, hi Haley. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me today. Super excited to be here with you. Thank you for joining. Haley is an IRA specialist at Quest Trust Company, and uh, she is uh, great at everything. We've done uh, a few webinars with her, and we love working with Quest. Quest is a phenomenal company, and Haley is a great uh, representation. So welcome again. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, definitely excited to be here. It's always fun to join in on different podcasts. And, you know, I've, I've been with Quest for a little over four years now. So one of my big roles is to help educate investors pretty much across the country about what is a self-directed IRA? What can I use it for? Some of the more complicated topics like UBIT, solo 401ks, pretty much all of that is right up my alley. And you know, there's so many ways that people can benefit from self-directed IRAs. It's a lot of fun to, you know, really be able to go around the country or I guess now everywhere online and help educate investors about all of these different options that they might not know that they really have with their retirement funds. Yeah, that's awesome. And, um, oh, well, now we're all virtual. <laughs> live in the age of yeah. COVID and uh, I wish we could do some physical events. I certainly enjoyed your great uh, events that you run, uh, in Austin and well hopefully you're all, all going to be safe this hurricane I don't know when this is going to air but uh, uh, hope our hopes and, and praise and thoughts with everybody to stay safe uh, with, the, with the upcoming hurricanes. Mm -hmm. Yeah no kidding we are gearing up for it should be coming in tonight luckily it looks like it is going to miss Houston for the the main part of it but yeah you know it's just another year in Houston just another hurricane kind of used to it by now I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Mother Nature, unfortunately, uh, can be um, can have unhappy days. So let's talk about self-directed IRA. Uh, let's go to, back to the basics. Um, why? Why would people want to pull their money out of their Wall Street, wherever they have their money, Fidelity or Charles Schwab or Bank of America? Why take it out of the Wall Street and put it in a self-directed custodian request? What can they do with it and what are the main benefits? Yeah. So, you know, when it comes down to self-directed IRAs, there's really a lot of different benefits. Um, one of the biggest ones is actually diversification. So at Quest, we actually, we're kind of like a, a niche company. We do some things that most other IRA custodians don't even know that you have the ability to do. So where most traditional custodians like Fidelity, Charles Schwab, E-Trade, places like that, they only allow you to invest your IRA funds into publicly traded assets, things like stocks, mutual funds, other types of publicly traded securities. But what a lot of people don't know is you actually have the ability to also invest your IRA funds into privately held assets, assets such as real estate, rental properties, promissory notes, private placement investments, there are so many different options out there, and it really just comes down to knowing where your money is invested. You have a little bit more control. You actually get to choose the investments for your IRA whenever you are self-directing your funds. And, you know, a lot of times in real estate or, you know, these private lending deals, 
you have the opportunity to make quite a nice return on your money. And when you do that inside of an IRA, all of those profits, they do go back into your IRA. So you don't see that profit right now, but it really comes down to the ability to save more for retirement. And whenever these proceeds from these investments go back into your IRA, they all go back in either tax deferred, meaning you don't pay any taxes until you go to take out your distributions later at retirement, or some of the accounts that we have grow completely tax-free. So you could potentially shelter these investments 100% from your own income taxes and capital gains taxes. And it can really help to kind of give you a leg up, you know, over the course of the next five, 10, 20 years, um, you know, that compounding growth over having your IRA invested into different types of assets can make a huge impact on your long-term wealth building strategy. And it's something that I really love to teach about because as we teach about this, you can kind of see people's um, gears start to turn in their head a little bit. People start to realize, oh, I can do this. There's a big opportunity here. And or, but without the right education, you know, they, they might need a little bit of guidance to actually get themselves where people are going to feel confident doing these different types of investments in their IRA. And that's exactly what we're here to do is to help educate, fill in the gaps, um, and teach about the things that can and can't be done with an IRA account. Yeah, that was great. Great overview. Uh, I, I very much appreciate it. And I, I, I do good amount of self-directed investing myself, and I can attest that there's a lot of flexibility when you self-direct. You can invest uh, into deals that are not available to other folks. You, make, you may find a great deal, and you can get a great price, but if you try to do it with the money sitting at Fidelity, you can't. They just say you find a great deal in a building, and you want to take advantage and buy that building. You, you, you just can't buy with the money in one of these um, uh, Wall Street-backed uh, IRA custodians. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, on top of that, um, stock market, again, I'm not advocating nor uh, saying anything negative. Obviously, it's a roller coaster, right? Could have great ups and downs, and you can do well. But you have no predictability. As much as I hate to say this, uh, there's very little predictability in the stock market while in real estate. There's a lot of predictability. Not guaranteed, but you could see what's happening. And of course, there, COVID showed us there are asset classes in real estate can get hurt. Uh, hospitality mm -hmm. and uh, retail, for example, uh, got hurt. But if you were well diversified, uh, you can have a pretty smooth ride and reduce the ups and downs. And at the same time, invest in things that you understand. The other interesting point um, uh, I like to invest with people who I know, like, and trust. That's my number one. Like when, when I invest with a Wall Street, you know, CEO of some publicly traded company, and I don't even know them. I don't know them. I don't necessarily like them or dislike them. I don't necessarily trust them or distrust them. But mm -hmm. um, uh, when we invest with somebody who you know, like, and trust, at least you have much better uh, control or opportunity to uh, control your investment. So mm -hmm. just a quick commentary yeah. on that. Uh, mm -hmm. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, – Real basic topic. People have, have all kinds of uncertainty or, or, or unclarity on on this topic. You bid. When is you bid due? And, and and people have gotten into investments. And now we we're touching on a pretty important subject. Uh, the reason for this is I've heard people made investments with leverage or mortgage, and then they've owned the house for five years in the IRA, and now they they they, they wake up and like wait a minute. What do I do now? I, I I didn't know I was supposed to was supposed to be UBIT. 
So it's an advanced topic. It's a, so let's just go to the basics. If you invest with your IRA, what do you need to watch out to avoid your bid? And what happens if you invest it in technically, <laughs> there is your bid, but you didn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm, exactly. And UBIT is always such a hot topic of conversation. And for those of you who, you know, might not know what this acronym stands for, it is UBIT or Unrelated Business Income Tax. You might also hear it referred to as UBTI, Unrelated Business Taxable Income. You know, technically they are two different things, but a lot of people use those terms interchangeably. UBIT is definitely important to be aware of though. There are certain types of investments that you might do with an IRA that might actually trigger a tax within the IRA. So, you know, conceptually speaking, you know, IRAs are tax exempt entities. So you don't pay any taxes on the growth until you either go to take out your distributions later at retirement, or, you know, if you're doing your investments in a Roth IRA or maybe a health savings account, you know, your distributions later at retirement will be completely tax free. However, there are certain types of investments, such as owning debt leveraged property in the IRA, investing into a pass-through entity that is owning debt leveraged property in the IRA, or if your IRA is investing into an ongoing trader business, then it might actually trigger UBIT, which is basically a tax that your IRA has to pay um, just kind of based off of if you're doing a certain type of investment. So a really common misconception is, you know, not every investment will trigger you, but if you're just owning rental properties outright with your IRA, or if you're just using your IRA to be a private lender, you don't really have to worry about this. But it is definitely something to be aware of if you are, say, using your IRA to purchase properties that have a loan on them. Or a really common type of setup that we see is, um, you know, a lot of people will raise capital from IRAs. So your IRA funds into, say, an apartment syndication, and overall, that deal is leveraged. Now, since your IRA is invested into this leveraged deal, um, basically, whenever that K-1 starts to show a profit of over $1,000, some of the income back to the IRA will likely become subject to UBIT, or unrelated business income tax at this point. You know, it's, it's not really something to be afraid of. It is definitely something to um, probably calculate into your overall returns to make sure that the investment does still make sense. But what's nice about debt leveraged property um, and UBIT is only a proportion of the profits back to the IRA will become subject to UBIT. So say the property is 50% debt leveraged, once um, the IRA gets those profits back or once that K-1 begins to show a profit of over $1,000, 50% of the income back to the IRA now is taxable through unrelated business income tax. But now that your IRA actually has to pay a tax, you could use the normal sort of write-offs such as depreciation, expenses, you could even deduct your quest fees um, from your overall UBIT bill. Um, so you minimize the UBIT that your IRA ends up paying, but it is definitely something important to be aware of. I am our in-house resident UBIT nerd. I love it. I think it's really interesting because it's not something that a lot of people specialize in. A lot of CPAs are not experts in UBIT with self-directed IRAs. 
a lot of IRA custodians, you know, Quest included, we can't give tax advice. So UBIT kind of falls in in a fine line where it's in between a lot of people's expertise. And just for that reason, I have really dived into UBIT and love it as a topic because it is really good to be aware of it. And, you know, there are CPAs out there that specialize in UBIT. You know, I know a couple in Houston. I know a couple, you know, pretty much all around the country. But it really does come down to having a knowledgeable CPA that is familiar with drafting up the tax form. Um, it's called a 990T. And this is basically the tax form that your IRA will need to file that um, shows, you know, overall the amount of UBIT that your IRA pays, the write-offs, things like that. And then, you know, when that's all said and done, you just send that 990T to Quest, to Quest and we send out that whatever needs to be paid for UBIT from the IRA. Important to be aware of that this does need to be done before the tax filing deadline. So typically before April 15th. Um, and you know, it's, it's definitely just something, you know, meet with a CPA about, give us a call if you have questions about it, but that is putting UBIT very simply. Um, but it's only certain types of investments that will trigger UBIT. And typically it only ends up being on a proportion um, of the profits. So, you know, overall, a lot of the times the investment is still definitely profitable, but it is something that you probably do want to calculate into that bottom line whenever you are getting into that investment for sure. So great commentary. Uh, <laughs> uh, you Thank absolutely... You. Um, covered some real phenomenal topics and mm -hmm. uh, without repeating I, I will add a couple of quick comments so number one people want to avoid you bit the reason for this is just the aggravation of filing the form even getting the CPA who knows how to file and then figuring out uh, what taxes due is a nightmare the second situation happens sufficiently often when people do buy properties or invest into a multi-family syndication from an IRA and then uh, there is leverage in the syndication. They don't realize the UBIT is due. Mm -hmm. We're not going to dive into that because it's a CPA strategy discussion. What happens if you already four years in, you didn't file. Now it's a, it's a pickle. What do you do? Do you just kind of ignore it and hope IRS never comes in and audits it versus <laughs> filing, pay, paying penalties and dealing with the pain? But it does happen. I will mention one educational concept. It is a pretty powerful concept. It does make sense um, uh, to consider if you are going to invest in a deal that you are sure will generate you bid for you. So there are borderline deals and great deals, but we're not, I mean, those you got to talk with your CPA for sure. But let's just say you want to invest into leverage syndication, uh, multifamily syndication, and you want to invest in my IRA. The one real basic technique is to set up a blocker C Corp. So block a C Corp, uh, it's just a whole lot easier to do it up front um, where your IRA could be a part owner or a full owner of a block a C Corp and, and then you could fund the investment and then the C Corp invests. So the beauty about that is C Corp will file taxes on an annual basis and effectively pay the due corporate tax and then the distributions to the IRA holder, the uh, dividend distributions are tax-free. That is, it's the same way as you bought McDonald's stock because McDonald's files the corporate tax uh, and pays to the IRS. That's the reason the distributions to you are not taxable. And the corporate rate, especially on a small dollar amounts, beats uh, the UBIT uh, tax rate. Because UB, UBIT tax rates, very high rates. They go very, very quickly up to like 40% range, 39 some percent, mm -hmm. highest possible range. 
while the corporate tax uh, rate, the C-Corps, have been uh, reduced in the recent years, and in general, they're lower than the, just a one technique when you're sure. When you're in a gray area, then it becomes a pickle. What do you do? Uh, do you take the risk, or do you actually set up the C-Corp? Because there's, there's an over, overhead of another C-Corp. Yeah. Uh, and then business on a trade, just using back to the example of McDonald's. So um, you can own McDonald's stock of the corporate, the McDonald's corporate, the, uh, the, the, the publicly traded company. But if you buy into a, uh, a partnership that owns McDonald's franchise and that partnership is taxed, is not taxed as a C-Corp, that's where the UBIT can kick in because you're part owner of a pass-through operating business that doesn't pay its own taxes. So that, that's where consideration is. If you do invest in a McDonald's franchise, make sure it's a, it's a C-Corp versus a, a partnership. So uh, let's proceed uh, just um, some further questions. So uh, uh, you mentioned the difference between traditional IRA and Roth IRA. And this subject, again, we're going into advanced, very powerful advanced strategy because the audience my audience is just a bunch of smart people and, and they actually can appreciate advanced topics. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people talk about the conversions because uh, the taxes are going only up and then they would rather pay taxes now and not pay taxes in the future because the tax rate is likely to be higher uh, in mm -hmm. the future given what's going on politically and with the, the budget. So do you have a good, interesting strategy how to convert traditional to Roth um, I'll throw one idea first, and then you let you let you speak. So uh, I did it years ago, converting cash on the second day of the year, which, which is the basic stuff. Convert first, second, third day of the year, so you get a tax a year of free, um, um, basically interest-free money. Then you pay to IRS the taxes due. The only problem with that, if you happen to make good money that year, uh, it compounds and it goes on top of your current income, so you winds up paying pretty high rate. So converting cash is a plausible exercise, but it is a could be a painful one. The alternative is convert some kind of uh, investment, and um, uh, again, without giving any tax advice, some people can invest. Uh, you, you you know, I, I run a few funds. One of our funds is Temple Grow Funds, is, uh, and some folks have thought that because uh, some of these investments lose money in the first years on paper, you can actually convert at a lower value than the original investment, saving at least some money on the taxes due. Uh, I've, I've seen people do it. I've heard people do it. Uh, so any thoughts on this? Just is it worth converting in cash? You better convert, it, uh, convert an investment if you can actually document that it's worth less than you put in. Uh, based on lack of liquidity, based on other characteristics, you need some kind of a letter of opinion by mm -hmm. a CPA or somebody who is, you know, who is qualified to do that. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, to kind of keep it general at first, Roth conversions, I think, are something that every person out there should consider because the way that I see it, if you see yourself substantially growing your IRA by the time you hit retirement, it, it would almost be dumb to, to not do any investments in a Roth IRA because essentially you have to pay taxes on all of your traditional IRA distributions at some point in time. So I always recommend to people at least do some of your investments in a Roth IRA to capture that tax-free growth. Now, most Americans out there, their funds are in some sort of tax deferred account, like a 401k through their employer, or maybe a rollover or a traditional IRA. 
So there's a lot of factors that might come into play if you're thinking of doing a Roth conversion. And you know, you kind of hit the nail right on the head there. If you're in a if you're a really high income earner this year, you it might not make sense to just convert a whole bunch of money in one year because you're you're gonna sign up for a really big tax bill at that point. But I always tell people some things to consider. Um, one is definitely the time of year. You know, at the beginning of the year, you could do a conversion, then you've got a lot of time until you actually have to pay the taxes on that conversion. So it gives you time to plan and maybe set aside some money. Now, of course, the caveat to that is you might not know what your total income is going to be for that year yet. So on the other side of that, if you're getting close to the end of the year and you realize, hey, maybe I have a lot of write-offs this year, I'm in a lower income bracket, I would definitely recommend get at least some of your funds converted before the end of the year if you know you're in a lower tax bracket because the deadline to do a conversion is December 31st. Once December 31st passes, you can no longer convert for that year. But, you know, we see a lot of people do it both ways. We see a lot of people do cash conversions because sometimes that can be a little bit simpler. You don't have to nail down a hard value of that asset um, as if you're converting the actual asset. You know, one thing I always tell people, if you have a really good investment coming up, if you think this investment is going to pay off really well, it might make sense to go ahead and convert just what you need for this investment, convert it to the Roth IRA, then do the investment with the Roth IRA. Now any profits associated with this deal are going back into the Roth IRA completely tax-free. Now, if you have an asset in your traditional IRA and say, you know, I've, we've actually seen it before, um, somebody had uh, stock in a privately held company. This company actually ended up getting bought out by Disney. And this company was at least quadrupling in value in the next couple of months. His client knew this was about to happen. So he came in, did a Roth conversion, and converted this asset to his Roth IRA before it skyrocketed in value. Great move on that client's end. But you know, sometimes we do see assets that might lose a little bit of value. You know, maybe you bought a property in an area that. I mean, I don't know what areas are going down in value, but I guess sometimes it does happen. Um, or, you know, if you have an investment, again, that you think is going to really increase in value in the future, it might make sense to go ahead and maybe even just start converting pieces of that asset each year. You don't even have to convert the whole thing. You could do partial conversions. It's definitely something to consider with your CPA. You want to look at your, your income for the year, um, you know, your projected total income for the year. And you, know, you want to look at, do you, do you have the extra funds outside of the IRA to pay for this conversion? Because now, once you do a Roth conversion, there's no way to undo it. So that's why we see a lot of people that might just convert pieces at a time each year. So they don't really sign up for a big tax bill all at once. But I mean, with COVID, we have seen a lot of people who, I mean, granted, the accounts are starting to recover now, but in, in the beginning of COVID, I saw a lot of people that their 401ks and IRAs lost 30% of their value because it was all in the stock market. And this happened in a matter of two days. We actually, you know, as unfortunate as it was, we actually did see a lot of people come in and do Roth conversions when the stock market dipped because now your assets are worth a smaller amount than they were maybe a month or two ago. So if you have your asset or your money in the stock market and it takes a dip, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it 
it might actually make it a good time to do a Roth conversion. Um, another thing I actually uh, spoke with a CPA on a trip one day and she put it in a really cool way that I hadn't thought about before. She said, if you do a Roth conversion, don't necessarily just think about it. Okay. How much of a tax bill am I signing up for? Think about it more so. Okay. I'm doing this Roth conversion. That's going to trigger X amount of taxes what other deductions am I not taking this year that I could be eligible for to balance out the, the taxes I'm now signing up for? So if that's also something to look at. There's probably different sorts of write-offs out there that you could be taking advantage of that might help to counterbalance um, some of those funds that you're thinking of maybe converting to a Roth IRA. Lots of different things to consider there. Every person's situation will be different, but long story short, I personally believe that every American out there should have a Roth IRA. You should be doing at least some of your investments in a Roth IRA. If your children have earned income, get them started with a Roth IRA. There are so many benefits. And you know, before 2010, not everyone could have a Roth IRA. If your income was over a certain limit, you could not make a contribution to a Roth IRA and you could not do a Roth conversion. However, in 2010, that law changed and they took the income limit off of the ability to do a Roth conversion. So now, even if you are a high income earner, you can still have a Roth IRA. You might not be able to make a contribution to the account to get it started, but you could still do a conversion and get some of your funds into that IRA, maybe from one of your tax deferred accounts that you have, you know, like the 401k or traditional IRA. Oh, great commentary. That's a backdoor contribution, contribute yes. to traditional and convert. Now it works. Mm -hmm. the, the other, again, awesome, awesome comments. Um, so I just want, I like to use this example. Uh, so conversions in cash are pretty straightforward. Uh, as mm -hmm. you mentioned, you could see where you are towards the end of the year. And then if you know uh, you're at the lower tax bracket for that year, or you have enough good deductions, then the conversion can make sense. Or you start at the beginning of the year, if you feel comfortable that it's the right year. But conversion uh, as an invested asset, as you mentioned, when you know some is going up and you, you, that's the right time to convert, that's a great uh, example. Uh, alternative with real estate, it's, th this is the easiest and simplest way to think about uh, convert, conversion of an investment. Let's just say you bought a house in cash and the house needs rehab and, and you bang it out so it's now worth less than you actually spend money breaking it down to the studs, mm -hmm. right? It's worth less now than it was worth when you bought it because it's, an, it's a really simple, if you convert at that moment of time before you start the construction, you can actually justify a low evaluation. The same is true with number of investments. And again, using Tempo Growth Fund as investment, when you have a fund that focuses on a value as strategy, initially it's a lot of that banging out, making investments and doing construction and uh, reducing the value of the asset while the future value is likely to go, uh, is going to go up. But that same concept uh, applies. I'm not trying to promote the fund. I'm using this as an example. When you invest in growth projects, it could be single family, it could be conversion of an old uh, Macy's to to self-storage or an old hotel to affordable housing. The concept is still the same. There is time, uh, point in time where the conversion would make most sense to reduce taxes. Yeah, and if you have future uh, belief uh, for a much greater appreciation, of course, convert. Don't even think about it. <laughs> At mm -hmm. that point, it makes a ton of sense. Well, let's keep, keep rolling forward. Um, uh, so these are great strategies. 
uh, how do people, so what's the process? We have, you know, a lot of people who invested, uh, their, they moved their 401k into Quest Trust. Uh, and what's the best way to move the funds? Just real, real simple. You could do rollover, you could do a transfer. I personally think transfer is a whole lot better than rollover, but let's just go through the basics. So somebody left a job, the, the, they can actually take their old 401k money and then move to a self-directed custodian like Quest. What would be the process to uh, most effectively set up the account with Quest and get the funds over? Just, just basics, how does it work? Yeah, so, and I mean, to be honest, it's pretty straightforward. You can either make this process really complicated or you can make it really simple. We like to make it really simple. Basically, the first step is to open up a self-directed IRA. Once you're ready to initiate that rollover from the 401k, your funds have to have somewhere to go. So you do need to contact Quest. You know, the best way is to set up a free consultation with one of our IRA specialists. Um, our role is to basically hold your hand through the entire process. As you're learning these new concepts and moving your money around, it's really, really valuable to have a point of contact there that can hold your hand through the whole process. You know, even if you don't open up a self-directed IRA with Quest, no matter where you go, that one-on-one -on -one relationship with your IRA custodian can be the difference between things going very smoothly or things not going smoothly at all. So just kind of one little piece of advice there. But yeah, I mean, give us a call. We'll help you get your account set up. Once your account is open, you basically contact your 401k provider. You initiate that rollover. They send the funds over to Quest. And you know, that process can take anywhere from about a week to four to six weeks. It, it totally depends on where the funds are coming from. But that time frame is very important. If you have a deal coming up, go ahead and get the process started. Get the account open, start getting those funds moved over because every 401k and every IRA custodian is just a little bit different. Some of them are very fast and efficient. Some of them are just awful and slow and they take forever. And you don't want to miss your investment opportunity because your funds haven't arrived to your self-directed IRA yet. Um, same process if you're moving funds from, you say an IRA at Fidelity or an IRA at Charles Schwab, you basically open up an IRA at Quest, we'll help you get that transfer initiated, um, they'll send us the funds. And then basically once your funds are at Quest, um, they'll just basically wait for you to direct us where you would like them invested. Once you find your investment, give us a call. We'll walk you through the process. But basically, we just need a copy of the investment documents. When you're using your IRA to invest, the name of the investor will always be the name of your IRA. So in this case, it'll be Quest Trust Company for the benefit of your name and your IRA account number. That's how your investments will always be titled. And we basically do everything at your direction. So if you're ready to fund a deal, you'll send us those investment documents, you'll fill out a quest form, and our transactions team will get that deal funded for you. You know, if there's payments that need to go out, if there's payments that, coming, that are coming in, you'll basically just kind of let us know. Um, typically, it's by filling out a form completely online. Um, and basically, we do everything at your direction. And you as the client get to make all of the investment decisions for your IRA. Quest is just basically the vehicle that allows you to use your IRA to invest into these different sort of non-traditional assets out there. But, you know, honestly, the process is really straightforward. Once you do it once or twice, it, it becomes really easy. You know, a lot of people 
love calling up their their transactions representative here at Quest. Um, you know, we've got about 130 employees now, um, but in between all of our different departments, we are very highly educated. We are very well versed in IRA concepts. So not only can we help walk you through the process, but we can help to educate you along the way as well to make sure that you, you know, you don't get yourself into maybe something that's prohibited or maybe something that you quite shouldn't be doing with your IRA because that's very important as well. And as it's self-directed, you know, it, it does involve the client having, you know, at least a base level of knowledge and education on their end as well. And, you know, we, we definitely try our best to help with that all throughout the process. So we'll touch on this in a second. We're almost running out of time, but I do want to chat a little bit about the uh, prohibited transactions. But I wanted to first comment on the fact that uh, your team is, has done, at least in my experience, uh, second to none job absolutely outstanding uh, funding investments. We, as a fund manager, we've received a lot of investments from um, Quest. Uh, obviously, decision makers are the, the investors, but you've executed such such smooth, uh, smoothly that it's for us as a fund manager, it's been a great process uh, to receive the money. And I know that investors have enjoyed that interaction, kind of white glove service. So thank you, it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, but let's quickly cover just real basics. What mm -hmm. transactions are prohibited? Uh, obviously, uh, linear ascendants, descendants, that's the basics. And then you can't buy life insurance and, and, and collectibles. But mm -hmm. dive a little bit more into this just, just, just very quickly. Yeah, definitely. So, and I always like to first present prohibited transactions as something conceptual, you know, not just tell you this, this, and this is prohibited, but more so why there are prohibited transactions. Basically, IRAs were created in the 70s to give Americans incentives to save for retirement. Our IRAs get really awesome tax advantages to help us save for retirement. So our benefit that we get from our IRAs are when we reach retirement and we start to take out that money for personal use. Now, since our IRAs get really awesome tax advantages to help us do this, the IRS has set certain rules where you know there's certain people, they're called disqualified people that cannot do certain transactions back and forth with the IRA. But basically the kind of golden rule of self-directing an IRA is you cannot use your IRA to do an investment that gives you any sort of direct or indirect benefit right now. So you can't use your IRA to invest into your own business. You can't use your IRA to loan yourself money or buy a property that you're going to live in. In this case, you're no longer just you know, self-directing your IRA to benefit you in retirement. You're now taking advantage of this vehicle to benefit right now, and the IRS has explicitly said that they do not want you to do this. Um, so there's just certain family members that uh, cannot benefit from your IRA investments. These, and we have several classes that go through this in you know, slower, more detail, but you know, the people that are disqualified to your IRA that cannot do these transactions back and forth are you, your spouse, lineal ascendants and descendants. So your parents, your grandparents, your kids, your grandkids, their spouses, and any companies that these people might own, control, highly compensated by are just as disqualified as that individual. So you know, I always like to tell people, once you know the small list of things that you can't do with your IRA, now there's this whole other world of opportunity of the things that you can do with your IRA. You just can't use your IRA, again, to invest into your own business. 
You can't use it to invest into your spouse's business or your mom's business. You know, those people directly up and down on your family tree, because typically that is how wealth will be passed. You know, when I eventually pass on one day, I'm going to pass my assets down to my kids. They're going to pass it down to their kids. So that's why those certain people on the family tree are just as disqualified as you are to your IRA. But kind of a little added safety net there is, you know, although at Quest, we cannot give you tax, legal, or investment advice, we are very well versed in disqualified people, prohibited transactions. So you can always give us a call and, you know, ask us about a scenario and we can tell you if it would be allowed, if it's prohibited, if maybe it's a gray area, um, maybe if you should consult an attorney, if you're really looking for that yes or no answer for a gray area type of investment. But, you know, long story short, you can't benefit from your own IRA investments. You can certainly self-direct it and choose what type of investments go in that account. You just can't personally be benefiting from those investments. Yeah, that's a great explanation. Uh, just to add a quick comment, and I mentioned this earlier, life insurance is a no-no and uh, uh, collectibles. Although normal coins uh, are good, but collectible coins are not. So it's kind of interesting. So especially now, the gold is high in people uh, thinking about gold. Uh, you can invest in you know, standard e U.S. eagles, but you can't invest in a rare eagle from you know, 100 years mm -hmm. ago, kind of uh, interesting thoughts. And then there's a lot of um, uh, exceptions to the, the rules are, the beauty about this is you know what's, what's not allowed, right? You, 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 you know what's prohibited. Everything else is either gray area or allowed. So for mm -hmm. example, I had a conversation with folks uh, where you could invest in your uh, wife, your, your parents-in-law. So your wife's parents, in theory, are not linear ascendants to you and descendants. It's kind of a crazy to think, but if your father-in-law or mother-in-law own a business and you want to make the loan to them, they need an expansion loan, that is allowed. And what, 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 what's also interesting, your brothers and sisters, your cousins, they're all allowed. So if somebody, you have a great business of your, your sister or your brother and you want to invest in it, you can't do that. Somehow, they, they only decided to go linear, um, and uh, which is cousins, aunts are all good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, and just to add to that, you know, those other family members, people more side to side on the family tree, you know, you know, like you said, technically are not disqualified people. But even if you're doing a deal with a non-disqualified person, you always want to make sure that you are still following that golden rule of you or anyone who is disqualified to the IRA are not personally benefiting from that deal. Because if you are, and you ever were to get audited by the IRS, you know, it could be seen as a prohibited transaction, even if the deal is with someone who is totally not disqualified to the IRA. So you still wanna make sure that you're following those rules. But yeah, I mean, exactly correct there. Only, only certain family members that are disqualified, but I mean, do you want to loan money to your brother if he doesn't pay you back? Is the family going to be okay? Um, you know, just maybe some other things to consider there as well. Yeah, great commentary. I think we're running out of time. I very much appreciate your wisdom, your thoughts, uh, you. your knowledge is uh, all the way up there to the roof. You, you, you know, all deep, your, your knowledge is, because I, I'm, I am a sort of a, <laughs> like you, I love to study and, and kind of think of these best techniques and uh, you, you're up there, so thank you uh, for sharing. Uh, how would people get a hold of you or Quest? Is there, what's the best way for uh, the audience to reach out? They want to set up an account, they have questions. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. So we are very accessible at Quest. There's a lot of different ways to reach us. Um, we do actually have a special kind of uh, website set up for these types of podcasts. It's super easy. If you go to podcast.questtrust.com, you can see some of our educational videos. You can see some of our upcoming events, and you can also put in your information to set up a free consultation with one of our IRA specialists. You know, I always tell people, no matter where you might be in this process, whether you are brand new or you have a deal and you are ready to go today, setting up a free consultation with one of our IRA specialists is a really great way to at least point you in the right direction. You know, we have so many resources, so many different educational opportunities. And again, those can all be found at podcast.questtrust.com. Or if you go to our main website, at justqueststrust.com. You can see more information there. You can actually chat live with an IRA specialist through our website. Um, on some days, you might even be lucky enough to get to chat with me in there, right there on our website. But you know, we're, we're very easily accessible on both of those websites. We do have our phone numbers. We have our direct email addresses. Um, but podcast.questtrust.com is uh, probably one of the best places that you could go here at this moment. Haley, that was awesome. Uh, you. your wisdom is appreciated and the audience is going to enjoy and I am sure they're going to reach out and they want to talk to you <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm sure they'll be happy with it with anyone from your team but you're absolutely awesome thank you so much yeah thank you so much for having me it was great and I hope you guys give us a call and you know uh, expand your knowledge about self-directed IRAs so many great ways to build wealth with these different types of accounts and you know in 10 years from now you're going to wish that you had started earlier. If you're not already thinking that a self-directed IRA is a great way to get yourself ahead. Um, and that's, you know, the last thing that I want to leave you with today. So, so thank you so much for having me. This has been a joy. Any day that I get to talk about UBIT and all of these nerdy topics, I'm having a good day. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.